All right, it's good to see each one this morning, and again, happy Father's Day. You have your Bibles, turn to 1 Chronicles, 1 Chronicles chapter 28. We're going to look at verse uh, 9, the only verse we'll look at there today. And I want to talk to you about two essentials in knowing God. Now, this is uh, Father's Day, and uh, that's what this message is going to be about. What is our responsibility as fathers? What is our responsibility as grandfathers even, you know? Because listen, if the father is not doing what they're supposed to do, I think that burden of responsibility kind of falls back on us grandfathers in order to pick up the slack that that ungodly father, you know, is not doing right. So this message is for fathers and grandfathers this morning. Now, Solomon is talking to one of his sons. In fact, you know, as we'll see in a moment, Solomon had 20-plus sons. Now, how many kids we got? 11? No? We got 10? I'm pretty sure, too. I can't count that how, you know. But anyway, and all of them ain't uh, boys, you know. But Solomon had 20-plus sons, and he's talking to one of his sons here today that we're going to look at, Solomon. And I want us to notice the uh, advice he gives to his sons. Fathers, grandfathers, this advice, these two essentials, you know, that we're going to look at this morning, we need to examine ourselves, we need to examine our hearts and see if we are instilling within our children what David desired to instill within his children. And thou, Solomon my son, now here's what he says, Know thou the God of thy fathers, and serve him. Now how are we to encourage our kids to serve him? with a perfect heart, and with a willing mind. For the Lord searcheth all hearts, and understandeth all the imaginations of the thoughts. Now Solomon, tells, or Solomon is told by his dad this, If thou seek him, he will be found. But if thou forsake him, he will cast thee off, forever. Now again, as fathers, there's many things that we teach our children. You know, some of these things we teach them that we, we do so purposely. In other words, we purposely teach our children, you know, what it is that we want them to know. However, there are some things that we teach them that we don't even realize we're teaching them as a way of them observing our lifestyle. So, yes, some things we purposely teach them, but dads, what are we teaching them that we're not even realizing we're teaching them as a result of the lifestyle that we're living and the example that we are setting before them? You see, our children learn more from what they see us do than what they hear us say. I will assure you, you can talk to your uh, children day in and day out and you can tell them what's right and what's wrong. You can tell them what you would like to see of them. But yet, if the example that you're living is not what you're preaching, then let me tell you something, they're going to follow that example before they follow what it is that you're telling them to do. That old saying, not calling anybody a monkey, but monkey see, monkey do, there's some reality to that, okay? Now, here in our scripture text, again, David is sitting down with one of his 20-plus sons, Solomon, and he's exhorting Solomon in his walk with God. Now, 
David was not a perfect father. Let's get, let's get that out of the way right quick. In fact, when you study the, the, the history of David's family, you see uh, it, it, within his family, you see rapes, you see murder, you see incest, and many other sins that was rampant, you know, with him and his children. But even with all that going on in the family, God still said that David was a man after his own heart. Now, why would God say that David was a man after his own heart? Though he wasn't perfect, he still demonstrated to his children godliness. In other words, he still emphasized God. Now he sits down with his number 10 son. Solomon is his number 10 son, who, by the way, just to throw this in, is from David's eighth wife, Bathsheba, with whom he had committed adultery and had her husband killed. Now, here he is challenging his son. And let's take a look at David's words here as he's talking to his son. First of all, in verse 9a, Solomon, my son, know thou the God of your father. Now, I want you to notice the word know there. The word know here has a wide use within the Scripture. However, there's two meanings within the Scripture which appear time and time and time again when this word know is used. And those two words are comprehend and understand. You see, comprehend and understand. That's what David was trying to get across to Solomon. It's not enough to just know who God is. Son, you have to comprehend God. You have to understand God. You have to know him in a very intimate way. To know God goes deeper than our knowing about God. You see, the goal of every father should be that their children know God in a personal way way a personal way that they know God in a way that they can understand him that they know God in a way that they can comprehend him you know most everyone mentally would say that God exists very few people would say God does not even exist but mentally most people know that God exists but knowing that God exists you know, does not mean that one understands God, that one comprehends God. You see, as a father, I don't want my children to just know God in a way, you know, that they say, well, yeah, there's somebody up there. There's someone out there. Folks, listen, as a father, my desire should be that my children know God in a way that they understand his love, that they understand his mercy, that they understand his grace. And as a result of that, they're able to enter that personal relationship with him that should be my goal that should be our goal as fathers you see it's one thing to know of God but it's another thing to know God in a personal way so it's not enough to just sit our kids down and say God exists son God exists daughter no, we want them to know the love of God. We want them to know God in this personal way. We want them to, uh, to, should, should want them to understand and comprehend God. You see, knowing of God will not get one into heaven just because they know of him. That's not going to get them salvation, folks. That's not going to get them into heaven. But knowing God in a personal way will assure that when they close their eyes in death that they're going to be with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Fathers, our desire and our prayer 
should be that as a result of the examples we set and the words that we teach our children, that they would know God in a personal way. Father, grandfather, you know, is that your desire? Is that your prayer? That I'm going to live an example. God, help me live an example. That my kids will be able to see my, my devotion to you. That I truly love you. That I desire you. That I want to understand you. Let me be that example that when my children see me, they say, I want to follow that example. Now, Debbie brought up my dad a while ago. So, you know, I, I love my dad. In fact, uh, my dad died in 2020. Okay? And I, I inherited most all of his tools. I've got a shop full of his tools. My dad was a woodworker. And, uh, you, know, uh, you know, for a year after my dad died, I picked up my phone, I can't tell you how many times, to call him to say, Daddy, how does this router bit work? I mean, what, 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 is, what is this router bit? And I'd have to say, wait a minute, I can't call him. I can't call him. You see... But my dad set an example before me. Now, let me just say this. Before my dad come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as his personal Savior, my dad taught me how to fight chickens. Okay? Let me tell you, we used to have, we used to have our own pit way out in the woods. We lived on a 995-acre ranch, and, you know, we had a pit way back in the woods. My daddy taught me how to fight chickens. My daddy taught me how to drink beer. My daddy taught me a lot. My daddy taught me that if you go into a gate, son, and the gate's locked, cut the lock and find a lock just like that lock and put your, your lock on there. My daddy set an example of ungodliness in his younger days. But you know what? Once my dad found Jesus Christ as his personal Savior, the example my daddy started teaching me was completely opposite. And look, I'm where I am today because of the example that my dad, after he accepted Jesus Christ, set before me. You know, dads, grandpas, what kind of example are we teaching them? Are we teaching them an example, you know, because we don't really know God and the example we're teaching them is going to take them farther and farther away from God? Or are we teaching them, son, here's how a godly man lives. Here's how a godly man reacts. Here's how a godly man follows Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Now, there are two essentials in knowing God that we as fathers must instill within our children. Okay, let's take a look at this. Serve him with a perfect heart, David told Solomon. Serve him with a perfect, a perfect heart. You see, the desire of every father should be to live to see their children serving God. My desire is that before I die, I see all 10, we got 10 kids, that I see all 10 of my kids serving God. That's my desire. You know, that's my desire. And, and as a result of the way I live my life, they would say, you know, I want what daddy I want what Daddy experienced with God. And fathers, that ought to be our desire. That ought to be our ten kids. Okay, let's move on from that. that that's scary. Okay, anyway, uh, where am I at here? Okay, 
So this should be our desire. We're, we're not talking about going to church, okay? When we're talking about setting an example, we're not talking about going to church. We're talking about serving God. Let our children see us serving God. We're talking about loving God. Let our children see us loving God. We're talking about exercising our spiritual gift in service to God so our children can say, you know what, Daddy had a, 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 a spiritual gift, and I've seen Daddy exercising that gift. I want to find my spiritual gift. I want to start serving the Lord in, with my spiritual gift. We're talking about ministering to others. Our children see us, you know, reaching out to others and ministering to others. We're talking about putting God first in our life and putting ourselves in the background that's the example I want to leave for my children you see when we truly know God we're going to truly serve God you see if you truly know God you're going to want to serve God do you want to serve God are you content well, I'm just going to church now and then and you know maybe my kids will see me go to church and they'll go to church listen to me what they're going to do is what they see you doing when you're not in church. Do you, are you here? You understand? Look at here. Some think that coming to church is serving God, but all coming to church does is help equip us to serve God. That's what you come to church for, to get equipped to go out there in service and serve God. You see, the reason that many do not serve God is because many do not know God. Look, some think, again, well, if I go to church, my kids will see me go to church, and, you know, they'll go to church. And, but again, folks, listen, no. What they see you do on every day other than Sunday is what they're going to turn out to be. That's what they'll turn out to be. So how we're to serve God. David told Solomon, serve God, okay? Serve God. How are we to do that? First of all, David said, son, Serve God with a perfect heart, with a perfect heart. Now, the word perfect is used in the Scripture does not have the meaning of sinless, okay? Rather, it simply means completeness or pureness. Therefore, we're encouraged to serve God with a pure heart, with a pure heart. You see, serving God with a pure heart means that I, the things I do and the, uh, that I do with a sincere heart and I don't do it with a selfish heart. You see, it means I put my selfish desires aside for what's best for the kingdom of God. It means that I do what I do because I love God. It means that, you know, I don't do it for recognition from others. I do it because I want to show God my love for Him. It means that I, I look for ways to please God rather than looking for ways to ex uh, escape my commitment to Him. It means that I please God with all my heart in any way He may so desire me to do. Now, the third thing is serving with a willing mind, he told him. So, son, serving with a perfect heart, serving with a willing mind. You see, not only must our heart be in the right place when serving God, our mind must also be set in service to God. Look, our heart will be where our mind is focused. Don't miss that. My heart is going to be where my mind is focused. Our heart responds to the way our mind directs it to respond. Here's what I mean by that in Colossians 3. You don't have to turn there, but if you want to jot it down, Colossians 3, 1. 
Paul told the church at Colossia, if you then be risen with Christ, in other words, if you are saved, okay, seek those things above where Christ sitteth at the right hand of the Father. And then he said, set your mind on things above, not on things of this earth. Why did Paul encourage the church at Colossia to set our minds on the things above? Because, again, our heart will be where our mind is focused. And if my mind is focused on the things above, then my heart will be uh, uh, desiring to serve God. Paul also encouraged the church at Rome, you know, not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed. And how was they to be transformed? By the renewing of our mind. Renew our way of thinking. Renew our mind. Renew, you know, how I I, I, I view God. Renew how I want to serve God. Because, again, our heart will be where our mind is focused. Now, the next thing is the things that we read, watch, and listen to, okay, is what will control our mind. The next thing there, our heart will follow the things that come from our mind. And the third thing is to serve God with a pure heart, we must fill our mind with things above we must fill our mind with the things above why is that because a willing mind does not just happen okay you just don't all of a sudden get a willing mind to follow God a willing mind is fashioned by focusing on the things above we need to understand that look if we're to serve God with a willing mind it's going to take an effort on our part to fashion our mind to that of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we must begin filling it with things above, not of things on this earth. Now, the final thing is this. Result of our obedience versus the result of our disobedience. In verse 9d, the Father explains to the Son, if you seek Him, He will be found. But, that word but always gets me in the Scriptures. You know, he's talking about something good here. Son, if you, if you seek God, you're going to follow God. And then he adds but. Okay? But if you forsake him, son, if you forsake God, he's going to cast you off forever. Now, folks, that is scary. That is scary. David is not saying if we sin after we know God, that is being saved, that he's going to cast us away from him, and therefore we're going to lose our, lose our salvation. What God is saying is, son, you've got two choices in life. Son, there's two choices you have. You either have the choice to seek God or not seek him. It's that plain, and it's that simple. We have the choice whether or not to seek God. You see, no matter how much our parents, no matter how much our grandparents or anyone else teaches us about God, it comes down to choices alone if we're going to follow him or if we're not going to follow him. The monkey's on our back, so to speak. You know, Matthew 7, 7, Jesus said, Ask, and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the door will be opened unto you. What's Jesus talking about there? He's talking about the choice 
for you to rather or not seek a relationship with God. He said, if you'll ask for that relationship, it's going to be given unto you. If you'll seek that relationship, you will find that relationship. If you knock on that door of salvation, it's going to be opened to you. But David was saying, son, that's your choice. I can't make it for you. I can't make that choice for you. Son, this is a choice you're going to have to make on your own. The promise of verse 9 is if we truly seek him, he will be found. You know, if one is to receive salvation that God desires to give them, it must be their choice to ask. It must be their choice to seek. It must be their choice to knock in order for that relationship with God to be opened up. No one can do it for you. You know, that must be your choice. It must be your choice to ask, to seek, and to knock. And then when that door's open, it's your choice to walk in to it. Now, the other thing David said, son, you can either seek that relationship with God and it's going to be open to you, or, son, you have the choice to forsake God. Wow. Just as it's our choice and our choice alone if we're going to seek a relationship with God, it's also our choice and our choice alone if we're going to choose to forsake God. You see, what's it mean to forsake God? To forsake God simply means I refuse to ask for a relationship with him. I refuse to seek a relationship with God. I refuse to knock on the door of opportunity for salvation. I refuse what God has to offer me. That's what it means for one to forsake God. And that's what David was saying, son, it's your choice. Are you going to seek God and be found and experience that relationship with him? Or are you going to forsake God and be cast away from God forever? Look, just as there is a promise for those who seek salvation to receive it, there's also a promise there, if you don't, don't miss it, for those who forsake or choose not to ask, not to seek, not to knock, and that promise will be that one is cast away from God forever. Now, what was David meaning when he told his son, son, if you, if you choose to forsake God, you're going to be cast away from God forever. In other words, the person who chooses to forsake the salvation that God has available for them, they, in essence, are choosing to spend eternity in a devil's hell. Let me say that again. For a person who chooses to forsake God, when the Holy Spirit is calling them to salvation, when the Holy Spirit is saying, ask, just ask. When the Holy Spirit is saying, just seek God. When the Holy Spirit is saying, do you hear that knock? Do you hear that knock? Open the door. And we say to the Holy Spirit, no. At that moment, we're forsaking God. And at that moment, we're actually telling God, listen, we're actually telling God, I would rather spend an eternity in a devil's hell than an eternity with you. Now, I know some are saying, no way somebody would tell God that. Well, that's what David is telling his son. Son, if you forsake God's calling, he's going to cast you away forever. How sad, how sad. The person who forsakes God, forsakes that salvation God has available for him, will spend eternity in a devil's hell. 
Some people say, well, why would a loving God send someone to hell? Can I tell you something? God has never sent a single person to hell. That person chose to go to hell. They chose to go to hell by forsaking God. And that's what the promise is. Son, you forsake him, he's cast in your way forever. They made the choice to, to forsake God, and they done it with their own free will. Let me just close with this. Fathers, grandfathers, what kind of example are you setting for your children, for your grandchildren? You know, is it one of doing things my way, even if it goes against the teachings of God? Or one of knowing God, and as a result, you're living an example of knowing God as a result of your serving God with a pure heart and with a willing mind, and you're laying that example before your children. The choice of how we impact our children is ours only. And let me say this again. Don't think bringing them to church is going to really impact their life. I ain't got nothing against church. But so many parents think, well, if I send my children to church, they'll turn out all right. No. No. If I send my kids to vacation Bible school, they'll turn out all right. No. It's not going to happen if you're not living that example. Are you with me? If you're not living that example, dads and grandpas, you can send them to church every Sunday while you go do whatever you do, and it's not going to do a bit of good. They've got to see you live that life, and that's what David was saying to his son Solomon. Son, serve God with a pure heart. Serve God with a willing mind. I'm going to do my best to set that example for you. Yes, son, I've made some mistakes in my life. But, son, look how I'm serving God now. Again, that's exactly what happened with my dad. Early in his life, he set some bad examples. But once he began serving God with a pure heart and a willing mind, he completely changed the example that he was setting before me. And I praise God that I chose to follow the godly example rather than the ungodly example. Because, see, I, I had a choice to make there. Which example? Uh, who's my daddy? <laughs> who's my daddy? Is my daddy this lost sinner who, who taught me how to do all this stuff illegal? Or is my daddy this godly man who is serving God? I had the choice to follow. I made the choice to serve the godly one. Why? Because I seen the outcome was going to be a whole lot better than the other. What about you, Dad? What about you, Grandpa? Are you living a life that is setting the example for your children to serve God with a pure heart and a willing mind? If not, maybe you need to talk to God today. Maybe you're not saved, so you can't set that example. Maybe today you need to turn your heart and your life over to Jesus Christ and begin setting that example for your children. Only you can make that choice. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you.